Hello, I'm Paddy Delaney, and welcome to Integrated Infrastructure, a podcast dedicated to bringing you news and views from industry leaders involved in the development, design, construction, and management of the many built forms that make up Australia's integrated infrastructure. This is episode seven of Integrated Infrastructure, and this week we're joined by Emily Mudge and Jack Shelley from North Projects. We talk about the challenges of the 22-hour lockdown in Victoria, how COVID is influencing their pipeline of work, and how typically less sexy markets may now benefit from deal-seeking investors and better value in land and construction prices. We talk about how last week's conversation with an institutional client about project delivery has quickly flipped into assessing their asset base. We touch on the benefits of social procurement going forward, and as always, we look forward to hearing what Jack and Emily are excited about in the near future. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe if you do. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Jack and Emily. Jack, Emily, welcome to Integrated Infrastructure. Thanks ever so much for uh, for joining us today. Um, as you know, this is a short form podcast, so we'll um, we'll get into it and um, and start having a chat. Um, but just to begin with, it'd be great if you guys could introduce yourselves and um, give us an idea about who you are, um, who you work for, and um, and yeah, let's start start there. Yeah, okay. So I'll I'll start off. Um, my name's Jack Shelley. I'm uh, the director in charge for uh, Victoria for uh, North Projects. Uh, my background is uh, in quantity surveying, uh, originally from the UK, uh, moved across to Australia about, uh, actually, last week, celebrated my five-year anniversary in ah, Australia. Congr- congratulations. Thank you, are you very are much. You a, are you a citizen already? No, not yet. Permanent resident. The uh, citizenship application has been in for about mm, nine months. That sounds too long. (laughs) We'll we'll see. But with the pandemic, who who knows how long those sorts of things are going to happen. You did get a step closer with a a marriage proposal and a a wedding. Ah, congratulations. along the track. That's it. It's been an interesting year thus far. (laughs) So you were proposed to or the other way around? (laughs) You were proposed to or you proposed? No, I, I proposed. We well uh, we got married at the start of the year. Um, ah, fantastic. Pre pre COVID lockdown, and uh, yeah, so it's it's been a, it's been an interesting year for myself so far. I bet. I bet. And do you want to introduce? Yeah, certainly. I actually joined when Jack was on his honeymoon. We had a little bit of a handover last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, my background uh, commenced with consulting, uh, an engineering firm in Sydney. Actually, the now. Uh, Oricon, which was Connor Wagner of the day. And after five years there, thought I'd, I'd love to give the construction side a go. Um, 15 years on, uh, loved every aspect of that, the challenges, uh, major health infrastructure projects, uh, along with a few others in the, the justice and uh, education space. And then thought I'd, I'd come back down to Melbourne and with that was uh, looking around at where next to lay the hat and North really stood out. So couldn't be happier. It's been six months now and loving it. Wow. And what are six months to be um, introduced to a new company? In? That's right. And look, uh, Jack and I work really closely together here in Victoria. Um, my role is as Director of Project Management and uh, Advisory. So. Fantastic. Fantastic. And look, um, uh, we've got people listening and watching all over the country at the moment. So um, not everybody, every, everybody's having different experiences of, um, of, of different lockdowns or no lockdowns at all. Um, your week two of what's 
hopefully a six week or hopefully could be even less or could be more, you know, lockdown. Um, what, what's what's it like in, in Melbourne at the moment? What, what, what are the, the, the things that you're noticing and missing or, you know, what, what's going on? So um, lockdown for us uh, as a company, sort of when the stage three um, lockdown came into effect back in March, we sort of sent everybody off to work work from home as was the most sensible thing to do. And that really hasn't changed since then. So there was a slight relaxing of, of those rules and some people um, went back into the office for a period of time, myself and Emily included. Um, but as the sort of stage three and, and cases seem to get more serious, we sort of transitioned away from that. And our office has sort of been, um, you know, uh, an, an only um, an, in case of an emergency sort of solution uh, for about, yeah, the past five or six weeks. So, yes, we're in two week, week two of lockdown uh, stage four. But for us, it's it's really business as usual, um, you know, uh, and that's not to say that there aren't challenges with the stage four lockdown. There's a lot of unanswered questions when it comes to what our clients are going to do and what what are, uh, our affected projects. North Projects does a lot of work with government clients. So there are, you know, obviously projects which are going to continue to work on site, but um it's, it's really on a case-by-case -case basis. So we're currently working through with that with our clients and we, you know, sort of probably won't come into a landing on that for the next few weeks. Um, so that's very different to, um, you know, we're a national business. So within Sydney, we've got our team back in the office. They've been back in the office for um, about the past eight weeks. Um, and the same goes for South Australia. So it's very much business as usual there. They're back to seeing clients face to face for meetings and, and sort of following all the rules and regulations. Um, and then on a personal level, stage four is, uh, is sort of, it, it's got its challenges. You know, 22 hours you're supposed to be at home. For, for it, it's, you know, essentially you're allowed out of your house for an hour for exercise and an hour to go to the shops um, to, to get your essentials. Um, but for me, uh, I don't know whether you can tell, but exercise isn't top of the agenda. So it's, uh, it's certainly uh, 23 hours of lockdown for me. Um, that's, that's really me. And what do you think? Yeah, the, I think the business is um, really well positioned because we are uh, providing a diverse set of consulting services to the industry. Um, some are live projects, um, like Jack mentioned, with public or private clients um, that are in the thick of delivery programs. Uh, there's a number that are that front-end consulting um, where they're proceeding um, without real delay and certainly maybe rethinking of some of the risks and the, the planning around it or the programming. Um, but uh, there's also that uh, end of project um, sort of aspect that we have as well from um, a, a, a month to month um, review of active projects, the DLP stage projects, um, and also the, the lessons learned reflection of some of those projects that we're just spending more time on. So as a business, we service uh, the whole life cycle 
and that's enabled us to continue working, um, you know, very well and, and reasonably unaffected. And you know, you certainly there's challenges. Yeah, are you finding that there is work all the way through that life cycle? Because in talking to other people, I've, you know, we know that the, all, the, all the governments, um, um, whether they're state, state or federal, they're, they're talking about shovel-ready projects and all their energy is going into shovel-ready projects, which means that they're talking about, let's get stuff moving now, 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 but aren't necessarily focusing on those longer-term projects or even the medium-term projects, um, which... Um, um, some people have suggested to me that means that there could well be a lag for engineers, architects, um, people working at the, you know, the design and the front end of projects that that, that we're going to have a, even potentially a dip in work. Is that something that you're concerned about? Not really. The needs are there. Um, and the shift that we're seeing, certainly whilst they're fast-tracking some of the shovel-ready projects, that makes sense. Some of the other projects that are more medium-term might still be subject to funding. Um, or a, a partnership-type contribution of funding. And mm. it does make sense with so much um, change that's been going on with, you know, what is really only a draft indication of budget. We don't have a full insight into what the government's commitment is there, as well as an ongoing need um, for support of the immediate crisis and those, those resources. So it, it does make sense that, you know, some of the longer-term projects are paused um, mm. and you know, we're seeing some of that. Some are continuing at a slower rate, some are paused or rescheduled, but um, the needs don't go away and particularly in those industries or sectors where there's been uh, a little bit of a supply deficiency. Um, mm. the, the demand is actually even stronger and I think it'll push um, the acceleration of some of those industries. So aged care is one. It's always competed against the cost of um, residential property yeah. or um, sort of the value of land. Um, there's also the you know, social and affordable housing, again, another need and something that will continue to be a need through this. So I think um, the appetite and the market's appreciation of the resilience of some of these industries that were possibly underappreciated or underinvested in previously mm. will show um, will show um, in in those projects sort of upscaling and and even really the mixed use nature of how those projects might get tacked onto a commercial one as well. Yeah, you mentioned investment there, and the, the, um, there certainly seems to be plenty of money around at the moment. People suggesting that they want to invest. I mean, IFM came out a couple of weeks ago, and they said they've got 160 billion dollars ready to invest. Um, they're obviously, you know, looking for, for um, unsolicited projects that they can try and generate themselves, but they're also looking for people to come to them with projects. I wonder if some of those traditionally less sexy markets might get some attention now. I don't know. What do you think? That's absolutely what we're seeing. And, yeah. and it, the, you know, the construction industry is typically not being a sexy industry. You know, you don't have, you have the doctors and nurses and the police and fiery sort of dramas and shows and there's a lot around that and <laughs> don't have many hard hats sort of rolling around and, you know, with the plans and the pointing and, you know, it's not. How do you, how do you, how do you make RBT into a... <laughs> that's like... right, that's right. So, um, look, yeah, there's, it's not all about that. It's economic sense. It's, you know, look, and most of our business is founded on that cost planning and Jack will speak mm. more to that, but just the opportunity of looking outside the box and filling a void in the market or an opportunity in the market that wasn't yeah. really, you know, 
delivered on in those traditional roles. So um, I, I think most certainly um, those partnerships are definitely something that uh, I'll let Jack talk to ones we've established at North in really long term um, and major infrastructure projects, but certainly we're seeing a lot more of those private to private partnerships as well where you might have an operator and a landholder. Um, yeah. So it's not just the public to private, it's the smaller partnerships, not just a full PPP in the infrastructure. Mm. So there is a lot more interest in in the partnership, and and we're all, we're all for a partnership approach. Yeah, fantastic. Before we get on to that, what what, what do you say? Um, uh, what what are you seeing in not just the the day to day working? You know, where we can't you know the the twenty three hours at home or the mm-hmm. um, the fact that we're all sitting on Zoom and you know all the rest mm-hmm. of it. But um, what what are the um, the biggest challenges to the industry that you see right now? Let's say even after the six week lockdown. What, what's COVID changed and, and, and what are the challenges that, that this proposes, you know, in, whether it's economic or um, being at the ability to deliver and, you know, what, what do you think those are? Well, for me, uh, the sort of key big challenges right now that are sort of at the forefront of my mind from talking to clients, one of which is um, the changing landscape of the CBD. Mm. Um, and when I, when I say that, what I mean is, the need for these large towers that people are housed in, is that going to be the way that we operate in the future? What's the density going to be like? Are we going to be able to make, you know, the office floor plates of traditional office floor plates pay that uh, that they used that they used to have? And are we suddenly going to start moving to suburban hubs? You know, mm. um, there's a lot of literature out there in the market that sort of talks to um people moving to these smaller hubs that are potentially, you know, they don't want to commute more than five kilometres of a day and they stay within that community, which, you know, for a, for a city like Melbourne, for example, where your average commute for people is, is an hour, um, that that really is going to have a massive impact on that CBD. So you've got a lot of towers which are being built at the minute or are nearing completion or, or are in operation that that need for that space is going to change potentially. Now, that's just one challenge that our clients are facing. You know, the wider economic challenge that you sort of touched upon, the, the availability of money in the in the market, the, the fact that we aren't potentially, um, you know, or potentially are going to go into a, a recession, a severe recession off, off the back of the, the pandemic. That's, the you know, these are all unknowns. But... There are positive signs in the market, you know, with the fact that there are investors out there who are saying that they want to invest money. There is, you know, the, the Aussie dollar is in a, in a fairly stable and, and, power, and a powerful position. You know, these, the share markets, for example, are, are, showing, are showing a pretty, a pretty positive position. Mm. So whilst it's very easy to focus on that bleak potential of, of the economic um, position where where we may end up there are some positive signs out there um other sort of unknowns that that are you know and big risks for me is uh as you said earlier there's there's the shovel ready projects that are coming down the track the beauty of north is we do work across you know the different cities and we are a national business and traditionally each of the major cities is at a different point in that investment cycle Mm-hmm. Um, which means that we can sort of pass pass those resources around to to the point where you are using them in the most efficient in efficient manner. Now, if there's a break in that cycle, 
that presents presents a problem to you know not only us as a as a business from what you know distribution of resource but it presents a problem um because suddenly you've got a depressed market which um you know presents presents a problem itself um you know the other the other one for me was um I've spoken to a few university clients and not only the COVID impacts, but also the changing uh, landscape of students that are going to be coming to, to the shores. That's meaning that universities are having to look at their current um, asset bank, whether it be mm. their bank or their, um, you know, their actual tangible assets um, and how they can use those in the most eff- effective way to sort of cover the, the potential deficit that is going to come in their in their forecast funding models as a result of diminished students you know if covid is prolonged obviously students high high proportion of international students cannot come to study so that that creates a big problem for them um so that's because i imagine i imagine you were probably talking to those universities about actually building projects for them not that long ago were you exactly and, and now you're having to have a different conversation with them. We're still in a live environment where we are building new uh, facilities for them, mm. which they're not sure how they're going to service moving forward. Yeah, right. It's and, probably the opportunity that it's presented us. Um, you know, there's, there's so many unknowns on that large scale um, mm. that enable us to plan with confidence. Uh, you, you don't have to think hard to, you know, consider some of the smaller businesses and other industries that have, you know, similar challenge, um, open one week and close the next. Mm. Um, so that ability to plan is really um, impacting everyone. Having said that, um, challenges and managing risk is what we do as an industry and as business too. So those projects that Jack mentioned, particularly the university um, planning projects where mm. we're able to refocus and really look at you know what's the second case scenario what's the third case scenario and where are the opportunities and a lot of the opportunities are just in smart business and smart modeling anyway mm. so um, they're things that the the client we're already investigating with the client and it might just mean that some of those are a higher priority for them mm. um, in the short term yeah that's great i mean you, you the the um uh, I think there are a lot of people and businesses that have been um, uh, have have not dealt with the sort of ambiguity of the situation um, very well, uh, and and those that are, are probably are those that are um, looking at all the possibilities, looking at all the all the opportunities, um, pivoting their businesses, um, their assets, their their, their plans, um, and it sounds like you're able to help with that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, as an industry, essentially, you know, risk and opportunity are the two key aspects um, mm-hmm. for us. And we focus a lot on the risk, but, um, you know, and we're thinking a lot about that. But, uh, you know, the opportunities, if we look at the types of projects we've done before, you know, New Royal Adelaide Hospital, um, mm. it had its challenges. Uh, we were brought into as a specialist consultant to work on the cure plan, which was essentially, you know, assisting the project to reach completion with minimal disruption um, mm. and impact given the circumstances it was uh, was under, and that's an ongoing project. 
Um, but like other major health facilities and major universities, major infrastructure projects, you know, it's about operational efficiency. It's about functional planning. It's about whole of life costing. It's about, you know, utilisation and redundancy and all of those measures. Um, so we're, you know, those, those elements that are smart business, smart modelling and design, um, you know, the reason why we have a job essentially um, yeah. uh, are all the areas that we're just continuing to focus on and, yeah, and, and proving, um, I think, the market appetite for that whole of life cycle costing, that acknowledgement mm. that wellbeing is something that is valuable and can contribute to um, improved efficiency and operation of, of facilities is, is fantastic. And that's something that you'll have done a lot of work with with your healthcare background, I presume, Emily, in terms of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think um, Royal Children's Hospital is one that really stood out to me as um, a benchmark. And, of course, Royal Women's was before that. But there was a considered investment in aspects that didn't otherwise sort of reach the brief. So Mm. a patient having a view and access to natural light and, you know, natural environment, um, there was some study, you know, that actually underpinned a value to that. They would improve on average two days faster. That's a huge, huge opportunity of cost mm-hmm. and being um, to not just the patients but to Victorian society as a whole. So, you know, finally there were some measurements of these um, aspects, which is really sustainability at the end of the day, you know, smart. Yeah smart building design, smart and efficient materials and um, utilisation of space and cross-functional and future planning, you know, you're minimising waste. They're all sustainable principles. Um, but we had some economic value that we could finally put to it. It wasn't just the wishy-washy um, buzzwords that were being thrown around anymore. So, you know, projects like that were real landmarks um, mm. that started to turn uh, the public and private investment and appreciation of, um, you know, rather than just the build it for the cheapest and sell it on, it was more of an asset management, you know, value, whole of whole of life cycle value proposition. Yeah. Um, so something we're heavily involved in in many yeah. of our projects. And, and, and Jack, you mentioned earlier about the, um, the changing role of an office and I mean, Emily, there must be some, uh, there must be an opportunity somewhere to take that learning from the healthcare environment and then actually think about the office workers' experience or the, um, uh, or, or any workers' experience because not only does it, you know, it's, um, you, if you take the patient out and put a worker in there, somebody who now has to work in various different locations, one of those which is their own home environment, um, how do you get those dollar efficiencies and sort of, you know, or, or dare I say, even happy worker, you know, um, uh, in that process as well? That's It's, it's going to be fascinating, isn't it? The, the, the changes that we're going to have to think about going forward. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want. I don't want to ask one of you to talk. Uh, like, who's going? <laughs> Which one? Go for it, from? Jack. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it really does present opportunities, and that's sort of the the way that we've been when we've been talking about this with with various people around town. Um, it's kind of been treated in that way because 
you've suddenly got this asset bank that can be used in a different way and it just needs to be fleshed out. And as you say, the user experience, the happy worker side of things is really key to employers nowadays. So, mm. um, you know, how we how we apply that across these new fit-outs or new buildings that are being put in place and suddenly, yes, you look at a lower density, but what are, what are the benefits that that's bringing and how is that going to be used? Because there is still a large population that live in the CBD, you mm. know, are going to be using these spaces. And, you know, um, the majority of companies, you know, are going to still maintain a, 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 a city centre location. Um, mm-hmm. So really it's it's about pivoting, as you say, and looking at the opportunity that this presents and how companies or landlords or um, different developers can use that to their advantage mm-hmm. moving forward. So, and um, what does what other opportunities does COVID bring a business like yours in this, this environment? You know, we're we're, we're all um, obviously trying to get through this period now, but longer term, what, what what you know, what are the opportunities that are presented to you? We've taken up some of those opportunities already. Um, Jack mentioned the change of workplace and the dynamics mm. there, and um, we've we've put policies together that will be just part of our business as usual operations going forward. You know, it's really proven to us we can work uh, efficiently, flexibly. So mm. uh, with 40% of our staff being women as well and a couple of mothers on maternity leave and returning, the ability to know that, you know, it doesn't really matter where they are at the end of the day, um, having that choice, some some of our staff would prefer to be in the office and some would be, you know, happy to do it from home. So it's all about having the choice. And, again, we've we've learned how that can be really well balanced as a team. Mm. Um, there's, there's other aspects as well from taking the opportunity for business improvement, looking at those efficiencies uh, and, and the continual cycle of business improvement is something that we've we've been looking at. Jack mentioned just sharing of resources between the state. You know, that's something, the different backgrounds we have from a professional point of view, we've always sort of lend, lent um, that expertise across the border where it was needed for a specific project. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that ability to contribute remotely um, has been proven more and more. So I think that improved uh, opportunity of of being able to deliver projects um, from different locations and really pull those resources um, will will give better um, value to our clients. Actually, we can service them better by the time you know we're we're reaching and tapping into that knowledge at a national level. Mm. Oh, fantastic. And um, um, Emily, you, you touched on diversity there. That's something that's sort of very um, um, important to, to you. Um, 40% uh, women, that's a pretty good ratio for, for this industry, isn't it? Yeah, we're really proud of our diversity. Um, and look, it has proven to be hugely valuable um, in its own right. It wasn't necessarily a target or something that we, we had as a business. Um, it was something that was valued um, mm. from you know, Tim Hogg, our managing director who founded the company 11 years ago, it's it's very much grown to now 60 staff full-time nationally mm. uh, to be extremely diverse in background, not just professionally, as I mentioned, in training, mm. culturally, having the opportunity to work overseas, 
Um, and look, at, if you look at all of our clients, they're all different. Their needs are different. The projects are different. So if you have yeah. a fantastic, diverse pool of um, staff who have a different um, point of view from whether it's be culturally or um, the way that they've worked under different um, different companies, different organisations, different policies, different plans, different industries, mm. uh, it's it's proven uh, just to, to be able to give us that flexibility to service our clients and their needs on a case-by-case basis. So, oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I, love, I love it. That's awesome. Uh, and, and so talk, talking about your team uh, and, and, um, and sort of... Um, uh, moving on to something slightly silly, um, I saw yesterday on LinkedIn there was a lady who I can't remember. She's like head of engagement or something for Telstra, and for the last eighty-four days, um, she's turned up um, on the Zoom, eighty-four working days. She's turned up in Zoom meetings in different um, fancy dress, a different character every single day um, as a way to keep her team engaged and interested. And it's become That's like you know the wardrobe. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm questioning a woman who has 84 days worth of, you know, fancy dress, but, you know. <laughs> um, but um, uh, how, how are you guys staying engaged with each other? Look, I mean, we're having a serious chat on Zoom. They, they all tend to be pretty serious, you know. How are you staying together as a team? What are you doing to sort of, you know, main, maintain not just that sort of, um, you know, um, um, serious side of stuff, but that diversity of uh, enjoyment and thought and, you know, um, those where where are the the water cooler conversations coming in you know yeah so the connectivity side of things uh within our company it was always a you know a challenge with with people being across you know multiple offices anyway so um what we actually introduced very early days with the with the covid lockdown was a uh, a national catch-up via via zoom which essentially was um designed to be led by a different office every time and and essentially talk through some key you know sort of bits and pieces to do with the actual running of the business but then was an opportunity for people to talk about whatever they wanted to talk about whether it be an interesting project whether it be something that's completely you know off off the wall and silly and you know some something that they just wanted to chat through for example last last week um uh, managing director got a new dog you know, a new puppy. So that was, you know, the sort of the the first five minutes of the meeting was introduce introduction to Uzi, his new his new border collie, which is, you know, very you know, sort of the softest the softer side of it. And that's and that's one of the benefits of being part of North. We we are essentially um, we run the company like it's a family run business. It's it's very much um, the people are a heart of our, the heart of our business and staying that connectivity. And I, you know, me as a as a people manager, I, you know, do the telephone check-ins and that sort of thing with people. Mm. But what's been really encouraging during this time has been the fact that I've had people, you know, who reporting to me, finding me just to check if I'm okay. That's great. Um, you know, and, and it's sort of, it, it really is that sort of whole sort of feedback um, from not only from top down, but also those, those, those people. Um, We've been having Friday drinks via via Teams as well or via Zoom. Um, we're also sort of doing those regular sort of survey checks with 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 our staff to you know sort of get that temperature check of how people are feeling and and making sure that we are maintaining those sort of development plans and and things like that to do with our staff to make sure that 
we're staying connected and 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 again to sort of use that use that term again to pivot sort of onto things that we can that are within our circle of you know circle of influence um mm-hmm. and and sort of make sure that we're getting the most out of this this sort of circumstance i've um i've heard that the saxophone is a very good sort of way to um, encourage um, team bonding Emily, have you heard that? I don't know. Oh, really? Because <laughs> <laughs> you accidentally saw it in the background before. <laughs> no, not at all. That's a coincidence. <laughs> Look, it's okay. funny, actually. It's not the only <laughs> instrument that's turned up on Zoom. We've, we have a colleague who plays the double bass or the, yeah. We do? Yeah. And um, so, look, there's, you're right, the insight into people's homes has been yeah. an element I think we've all appreciated. Um, you know, I, I, I mentioned and referenced the... I could hear it then, yeah. Okay, centre next door and they're, they're inside now, but, you know, there's those aspects that we wouldn't otherwise necessarily know about our colleagues, their pets, you know, the um, the interaction with the children's or the homeschooling and, and all of those things. So it, it's added a dimension whilst it's taken away things like celebrating cakes and, and um, you know, reconciliation week in the office and those things that we would do together. Um, mm. We're finding other ways to do it, you know, online. Um, and and it's also added that extra dimension of insight to, to us as people. Very so, good. Yeah. Very nice. Um, well, this is a short form podcast. Um, so my final question is, um, what are you guys excited about at the moment? What are you looking forward to um, post-COVID? Jack. <laughs> the Victorian market's really exciting and that's and you know there's lots of really really interesting projects coming down the track whether it be the northeast link project whether it be um you know Newfoot's Grey Hospital Frankston Hospital you know there's there's still a, you know um lots of opportunities there um and fortunately we're we're involved in most you know most of those in some way or shape or form so that's that's great for us um our big pro, our big pushes north is is our New South Wales office, um, mm. and we we are really really investing heavily there. And our team have just secured um, a big big role for north, um, actually our largest role, um, which is on Snowy two Oh great! Um, which you know is a fantastic feather in the cap of our director in charge there, James Durney, and. Um, mm. And it's it's a really really good opportunity, and it just shows that we are, you know, we've got a thriving business up there in New South Wales. There's opportunity there, um, and we we just need to cap. We will capitalise on that in the future. M. Yeah, um, similar to what Jack says, you know, despite the challenges, we're seeing growth. South Australia, new projects in WA, Northern Territory, Tasmania. You know, we're we're still maintaining, um, you know, our position and some some fantastic and I guess, you know, gaining some of those big projects. What excites me mostly is I mentioned before that potential of the industry to always, you know, look for ways to improve mm. and do things better. And yeah, that excites me because I'm starting to see some of that really translate in projects. And um, I think there's more lessons for us uh, in the industry in that respect. So looking forward to seeing those and um, yeah, making those a part of the way we do business going forward. Yeah, there the definitely is. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously talking to a lot of people and um, um, 
thankful you know i've got this platform to be able to do that and um you know you probably saw saw i'd spoken to john davis from the aca and and there's, and there's um i don't think i've ever heard the contracting industry sort of have such a clear message about how they wanted to change and what they went to want to do um executing those plans is obviously the biggest challenge as always um but um you know whether it's um uh, technology um or a change in priority changing mm. people's priorities you know um the element of social procurement um mm. buying local you know there's never been i think a stronger validation of not only the importance of that but the opportunity that that brings from a resilience point of view you mm. know where there has been that disruption at international sort of supply chain so mm. um aspects like that which didn't have a push or didn't have a platform um previously you know it's it is exciting to see that yeah absolutely and and who knows our borders might be closed for a few years yet there's going to be an opportunity um um in the skills and talent place that we've we'll never we'll never sort of have a challenge like we have at the moment in terms of you know you've got a 50 million dollar a 50 billion dollar pipeline down in melbourne there's a 50 billion dollar pipeline in um in queensland 100 billion dollars in um in new south wales and not forgetting the other states but then they don't have that same sort of um, um money involved and and there are not enough people to deliver those projects so no um and look if if i can you know, I guess throw to one of the opportunities again, it's um, manufacturing has, mm. we've, we've lost and we're reducing in the car manufacturing, but those facilities um, and the skills really could be turned to that modular construction component. Mm. These aren't all new ideas. UK has been doing it, you know, as business as usual for 15, 20 years. And whilst we're getting there, um, there's an opportunity that this, again, could supercharge those aspects of the industry. So Yeah, it's going to happen from necessity yeah, rather than yeah. rather than um, um, uh, modernising. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, look, um, it's been fantastic to talk to you both today. Thank you ever so much for spending the time to do that. Um, it's very much appreciated. And um, who knows if we might get an opportunity to talk again in the future when, you know, see, see if some of these prophecies have come through, sorry, ideas have come through, through, <laughs> or, um, you know, um, we might we might all be um, patting ourselves on the back or something completely wacky might have happened in the meantime. But, you know, who knows um, at the moment. But, um, but thank you ever so much for coming on Inf- Integrated Infrastructure and and um, hope we talk to you again soon. Our pleasure. Thank you, Paddy. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Integrated infrastructure is powered by North Search, specialists in executive and technical search across engineering, design, construction, property, and energy markets in Australia. If you'd like to find out more about North Search or get involved with this podcast, you can click on the links in the show notes or email me directly at the address on the screen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Integrated Infrastructure. Please tell your friends and colleagues if you did, and we hope to see you again soon.